immunity, immutability, and impunity. Let's talk about it on this episode of Pushback. If you're concerned about the direction our culture is heading, then maybe it's time to push back. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Pushback. I'm Dr. Johnny, and yes, I'm pulling out the vocabulary words for this podcast. And I have to dedicate this podcast to my mother. I know she's listening. Hello, Mom. Uh, You know, way before we had internet and smartphones and, you know, we had dictionaries and mothers. <laughs> and, and my mom had the unbelievable ability to know how to spell almost every word in that dictionary. And so we probably became lazy children instead of actually going to the book that's called a dictionary. We would just yell up the stairs, mom, how do you spell immutability? <laughs> And oh, by the way, what does the word mean? We will get to that. Uh, So today we're going to talk about sort of a potpourri of topics that are just headlines that are happening right now in the world. And so I want to just go through three topics that are somewhat unrelated, but you know, I'm an equal opportunity pushbacker. And so I want to reveal and to bring truth, uh, to bring a little bit of sanity, uh, to bring um, a little bit of discussion topics to these specific topics that are happening in the world today. And so the first thing I want to talk about is the word immunity. So this goes back a little bit to the facts about the vax because we heard this this week that uh, President Biden tested positive for COVID. Now, of course, the headlines that came out after that is that clearly, even though Biden is immunized and twice twice boosted, say that three times fast, twice boosted, uh, he still got COVID. So clearly, the COVID vaccines are ineffective. That's been the headlines. And of course, that drives me crazy as a doctor because that is not um, accurate. Now, again, I've said this a millions of times on my podcast, and if you haven't heard facts about the vax, I have a series that goes back to the beginning of this pandemic, uh, trying to explain the efficacy and the importance of immunizations and the vaccine. Um, And I know that many of my listeners don't even always agree with me on this, but I believe that the vaccine has been the reason why we're seeing this incredible downturn uh, in COVID. Now, you may say, now, people are still getting infected with COVID. I work in the emergency room, and yes, we still are getting some occasional positive tests. But here's the deal. Here's the punchline, and I keep going back to this. It's about hospitalizations and deaths. If it's simply about contracting COVID and getting an infection, if it doesn't result in hospitalizations and deaths, we deal with that all of the time. It's a virus. We are subject to viruses many times, uh, many times even in a year. And if COVID becomes into that category where, where we get it and we just simply recover from it and there's no complication from it, including hospitalization and deaths, which we saw very early on in the course of COVID and into the Delta variant, um, 
then then this becomes much less of an issue. And so this is what we have been seeing is that the vaccinations are resulting in an incredible decrease in hospitalizations and deaths. I can't remember the last time. It's been months and months and months since I've had to admit anybody into the hospital with COVID because the vaccine is starting, or I'm sorry, the virus is starting to become less virulent, less problematic uh, for us. And that is because of vaccinations. So here is the raw data. The, being vaccinated and boosted, you are 94% less likely for mechanical ventilation or death. 94% less likely for mechanical ventilation and death. This is from the Morbidity and Mortality Weekly Report that is simply facts generated from the current data. And so people are saying, well, President Biden has been promoting vaccinations and here he goes and gets positive. Clearly, the vaccine is ineffective. That is a complete misunderstanding of the the efficacy and the value of vaccinations. Believe me, as I've seen people on ventilators and I've seen people die of this virus, the goal is keeping people out of the hospital, keeping them at home, safe, healthy, and preventing death. And the numbers of those have declined dramatically. And I am praying that those numbers never go up. Now, the longer people stay unvaccinated, the more likely it is for this virus to continue to circulate and have potential to have a variant that would once again begin to cause us problems. So I'm going to continue to ring the bell that vaccinations and boosters are important. We can't become complacent on that. And so I want to give you the facts about the vax. So interestingly, and I'm going to um, go after President Biden and a few other things later in this podcast, but for right now, he's actually the poster child for the importance of vaccination. He's not somebody who's actually, because he's contracted it, make it seem like it's less effective. Here is an 80 plus year old man who's contracted COVID and seeming to do just fine. That would not have been the case two years ago. He would have been extremely high risk for mechanical ventilation and even death. And now it's become sort of a sideline headline uh, for this week because he is vaccinated. So that is my immunity conversation today, just to give you an update on that, to, to decipher some of these headlines so that we aren't susceptible to misinformation. And so I appreciate you listening to me for that. And I'm always open to different comments and questions regarding this. I've certainly received many uh, in my facts about the VAX series. Uh, I know people don't always see eye to eye, and I would never advocate doing something that you aren't comfortable doing. Uh, But I have to say that the vaccine is the reason that we're here. And I will say it again, that I believe that President Trump and his ability to promote vaccination so quickly uh, through Operation Warp Speed, um, will his history will say that he's probably saved more lives than any president in history. And then you couple that with, uh, with nominating uh, conservative um, Supreme Court justices and overturning Roe versus, Roe versus Wade. He is responsible for millions and millions of lives saved. My second topic I want to talk about is the word immutability. Immutability. 
Immutability means not capable or susceptible to change. It means unchanging. You're immutable. And so I want to talk about this climate change headline. Now, you may be saying, now, wait a minute, Dr. Johnny, are you saying that those of us who are sort of climate change deniers, are we the ones that are unacceptable? Are we the ones that are not accepting change? I'm going to say, no, that's not what I'm talking about at all. I'm talking about the climate alarmists that are unwilling to shift from their position despite obvious facts that are before them and their willingness to release information partially without full picture of all of the facts. I think that's super dangerous. And so this past week and past couple of weeks, we've had sort of quote unquote record heat waves that have been going through the country. And so we have been seeing this term, a climate emergency, climate emergency. And President Biden has been urged by a lot of his uh, extreme left wing uh, cohorts to declare a climate emergency as the president. Now, he hasn't done that yet, and we will see what he does here over the next couple of weeks. But it's interesting because we have to define what an emergency is and see if the facts actually correspond to what we're actually seeing, what, what the actual results um, of our climate is currently. Or are they immutable? Are they just unwilling to change despite the facts? One Democratic senator claimed that the changing climate required bold and intense executive action from the president. Another said Biden needed to move because the climate crisis is a threat to national security. But what was written on July 26, uh, climate emergency, what a crock, is the headline, is saying there is no emergency. It's a wholly manufactured charade. They wrote, he put off an, exe an executive action, Biden said last Wednesday, but he responded by saying, we have a responsibility to act with urgency and resolve when our nation faces clear and present danger. And that's what climate change is all about. It's literally not figuratively a clear and present danger. The health of our citizens and our communities is literally at stake. He goes on to say, climate change is literally an, an existential threat to our nation and to the world. Right now, 100 million Americans are under heat alert. 100 million Americans. 90 communities across America set records for high temperatures just this year, including here in New England, as we speak. And Biden said, since Congress is not acting on the climate emergency, I will, he tweeted. And in the coming weeks, my administration will begin to announce executive actions to combat this emergency. Now, it's interesting. We have to decide, is this truly an emergency or is this just smoke and mirrors? No pun intended. <laughs> See, our politicians and our media focus on unusual heat, despite the obvious that our global temperature is, quote, just about average. And so if that's true, then if we are having a heat emergency here, then there must be someplace else in this world that's actually below average, right? To actually be across the global temperature, just about average. Now, it's very interesting because in the actual phraseology of the president is actually the answer to this charade. You realize that they are no longer calling it global warming. They're calling it climate change. 
And the reason is, is that the facts don't precipitate out global warming. And in fact, over, you know, the, um, since January of 1979, when we've had satellite records telling us um, the, the, um, the weather and the, the, the global temperature, which is the most accurate and really the only way to measure, um, there is a mere 0.1 degree change. <laughs> it doesn't sound like an emergency. Not an emergency. This article goes on to say the facts, not the Democrats and activists, political desperation, show that global temperatures have gone nowhere over the past four decades, which is the only period of time that can be actually measured and compared. Anyone who believes that the temperature record before 1979 is reliable is fooling themselves. The only data that can be trusted that makes a genuine apples-to-apples -apples comparison are measurements from satellites. All other temperature reconstructions require faith in subjective readings of often poorly placed primitive instruments. Requires faith and subjective readings. And my friends, you can really trust the fact that the numbers are most likely rounded up. <laughs> rounded up. According to Alabama at Huntsville climate scientist Roy Spencer, um, the coolest month anomaly in over 10 years is the month we just went through in June. And it's the ninth coolest June in the 44-year satellite record. Let me say that again. Last month, in June, was the coolest month anomaly in over 10 years. My friends, where were the headlines talking about that? Where are the headlines that say that the ice caps are actually increasing and not decreasing? Are they being, make sure I get the right word, immutable? Are they immutable? Are they unwilling to change and look at the actual facts? If you look very carefully with consistent data over long periods of time, you will find that these are natural occurrences. In fact, when we look at, at, at um, disasters or hurricanes or tornadoes or the things that hit us, which, we're, which we hear day and day, how those are increasing, it actually hasn't changed over the last hundred years. And in fact, the world's health is increasing. It says, for example, deaths from weather disasters and so forth have gone down about 95% in the last hundred years. They really aren't increasing in frequency or intensity, says a University of Alabama at Huntsville climatologist. See, my friends, scientists are being immutable. And the scientists should be the least immutable. They should be the one that actually analyzes the data and reports accordingly. But I believe that we probably should pursue real facts before we bankrupt the country and we allow a slow takeover of energy production by the government. See, we have to ask, what's the point? Why, why would the government take this green energy stuff so seriously? Why would they be willing to declare a national emergency, a climate emergency? And the reason is, is that there's a plan. I'm not a huge conspiracy theorist, but this plan just makes perfect sense to me. There is a plan to take over energy production very slowly and insidiously by the government. Government, influx of money, of time, of infrastructure. And the more that the government invests, 
the more the government is invested. <laughs> Pete Buttigieg, who's actually the Secretary of Transportation, just came out this week. There's a lot of little potpourri topics I needed to discuss today. That he thinks that they should cap the gas prices at $5 a gallon. Don't let it drop below that. So that we can transition. Ugh. Really? This is the Secretary of Transportation. See, here's the deal. Here's the problem. If I can try to dig down to really what's happening in our country. Everything comes down to supply and demand. That's the way a capitalistic society always works. It's supply and demand. And the only way to decrease the insurmountable cost of green energy is to increase demand. And because it is not desirable, because it is too expensive, the government feels like it needs to force demand. It needs to force demand. This is what Pete Buttigieg is talking about. Let's cap it. Let's make everybody suffer financially so that we feel like, well, maybe it's just an equal transition over to green energy. Let's not fight it anymore. Let's transition there. Now, the more demand there is, the prices will go down and it'll become perhaps more feasible. But right now, the cost of green energy is so insurmountable. It's a horrible investment. It's, it's bankrupting our economy. We have cheap fossil fuel capabilities in our country to drive our country and it is not causing a national emergency. So why are they calling that the sky is falling? They're calling for it so that there is a forced demand so that we feel like there is a crisis and crisis is the way that the government increases its hold on the people. It's through crisis is where they capture power. If you haven't seen episode one from Star Wars, The Phantom Menace, <laughs> this is what I believe is happening. This is what I believe is happening. Granting emergency powers to someone or an entity that wishes to gain power. Now, I'm not against using money to clean up fossil fuels and to take care of our environment. I'm, I'm somewhat green at heart. I, I don't believe it's worth bankrupting our country over. And then let green energy follow usual capitalistic forces. If it is so great and so better and so much better for our economy, or for our climate and for our environment, then maybe I'll buy an electric car. But right now, that is not the case. And they need to make a better product. They need to make a better pitch for what is happening. And right now, they're just creating this facade so that we all feel like we're in an emergency. This article finishes with, it's probably an even bet that Biden will eventually declare a climate emergency. We'll see. His handlers probably think doing so would help pull up his miserable ratings. That's in a tailspin. Unfortunately, his favorability ratings was 31% this week. That's historically low. So let me get to my third issue, and that is impunity. The word impunity means exemption or freedom from punishment, harm, or loss. And this 
this is directly related to the pro-life versus pro-choice conversation that is happening in this world. But I believe that the left right now feels that they can say or do anything in response to the overturning of Roe v. Wade without any fear or retribution or punishment. They, of course, have the media in their pocket so they can say whatever they want to. But we also have to see the depravity of the things that are being said. Elizabeth Warren has accused this week pro-life pregnancy centers of torturing women. How can they get away with saying these things? Now, of course, the article title, in my opinion, is redundant because a pro-life pregnancy center, it's a little redundant. If you're taking care of pregnancies, obviously you're taking care of life. But she went after a facility in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Hattiesburg, Mississippi Hope Clinic said that we offer free pregnancy testing, free ultrasound counseling and education. We have a program called Connections where we work with young ladies and give them practical needs. So baby material assistance and mentoring and just following them throughout their pregnancy and helping them. They said they come to us wanting one thing, but they get all of these services that are offered to them. They can have sonograms, baby boutiques, earn what you learn, Things that go anywhere from teaching about the first trimester to money management. This is what they offer. These crisis pregnancy centers have been a hub of baby formula during the shortage, stockpiling them and helping ease the burden of families that they serve. But Elizabeth Warren this month accused these pro-life crisis pregnancy centers of torturing pregnant women seeking abortion information and called on a federal government to shut them down all around the country. Now Elizabeth Warren is against helping pregnant women, helping their babies, offering them services. See, it's retribution to a Supreme Court ruling that is beyond even rationality. Does she really believe that? She's, Elizabeth Warren said to Massachusetts right now, those crisis pregnancy centers um, are there to fool people who are looking for pregnancy termination. And they outnumber true abortion clinics by three to one. Oh no, not that. Not centers all over Massachusetts that are helping women. Elizabeth Warren needs to be careful. She needs to not be operating in impunity. But she needs to be aware that she's not actually harming live, living people. Of course, she doesn't think that the fetus is a live living person, but there are live living people, even in her definition, that she is hurting. CPCs are typically faith-based and offer reproductive health care, prenatal care, counseling to help expecting parents choose life over abortion. Most centers offer free STI testing and treatment, pregnancy testing, prenatal vitamins, ultrasounds, post-abortion care. Parenting classes, adoption referrals, and even baby free baby clothes and diapers once the baby is born. Let's shut them down. How can, how can we let them get away with that? These centers receive funding primarily through private donations and grants from religious organizations. My friends, we have to see how 
how the the evil and the depravity of this conversation is going to rise up. And we just need to respond with love and with care. I love how these crisis pregnancy centers responded by just listing the services they provide. They weren't mean. They weren't vicious. They didn't participate in personal attacks. They just said, this is who we are and this is what we do. Because life will always win and the value of life will always be valuable to those that are willing to listen. And I believe that the culture and the tide is shifting. And I believe as, as the, the demonic is, is raised up in those who are fighting against even the good that these centers are doing, is going to bring revelation to those in our country who have yet to even begin talking about this. They're going to say, wait a minute, this is deprived. This is, this is evil. And the manifestation of that is an obvious outcome. Good versus evil. And I will remind you that the conversation is always about life. When does life begin? That's what you need to talk to people about. Don't get sucked into women's privacy, liberties. Those are all important. But the ultimate topic is when does life begin and keep the topic on there because we can't be wrong about that because life is the most important aspect of our culture. I am hoping next week, and you're going to say, Dr. Johnny, when are you going to learn your lesson? But I'm hoping next week that I'm actually going to deliver my podcast from the Ark Encounter in Kentucky. My parent, my family and I are heading east to speak at a church in Ohio, and then we're going to go down to the Creation Museum just outside of Cincinnati, and then the Ark Encounter, which is a full-size replica of Noah's Ark uh, in Kentucky. And so my plan is to bring my phone and my microphone and my recording equipment uh, and do it from the parking lot uh, where you can see the Ark in the background as I give my message about creation, about life, and the importance of believing the Bible. So stay tuned for that. I'll record it either way. Whether something happens in the meantime, you never know. But until then, let's go together now to set and shape the culture. <laughs>